And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a uh, preseason closing edition of the Warriors All-82 podcast. Nate Duncan is with me because I need granular, detailed preseason thoughts on these Golden State Warriors who... By the way, are going, I should say this at the top, a little news, are going into the season with only 13 players. Rudy Gay and Rodney Magruder getting cut tonight. Uh, they have to sign a 14th within two weeks because at any point if you have 13, you need to sign a 14th within two weeks. Trims a little tax, some flexibility. Maybe Magruder, maybe Gay comes back after two weeks. But Nate Duncan, number one, do you remember a team starting the season with 13 players ever? Wow, that is a... You really you wanted to get granular. Well, I mean, it's been not in this era, I don't think. Um, no, I can't remember that. Now, I think that in some ways to me is a advertisement for how good they feel about the one through thirteen depth. I mean, is there? I don't think there's anyone of those thirteen that if you had to throw them in a game for some cheap second quarter minutes that they wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. And so it's a lot easier to carry 13 when that's the case. I agree with you because, you know, you were talking about, well, who would 12 and 13 be? Pajemski and Trace Jackson Davis, both impressive preseasons, both polished advanced rookies. We'll see what they are long-term, but I agree with you. Steve Kerr has said, like, he would feel comfortable throwing them in a regular season game, uh, even though they'll be out of the rotation to start it. And then really, if you think about it now, three two ways and think about their two ways. Jerome Robinson, an older, uh, you know, guard who, like, you know, again, I think Kerr would be feel comfortable throwing him in a game. Usman Garuba and Lester Quinones. So that's really 16 guys. Not to say those guys would be rotation players at this stage, but uh, when you do add the extra two-way and then you look at the, the fullness of the roster, yeah, I mean, and it's only going to be two weeks, so. Yeah, and then they can do the dance if they want to or bring someone in and then cut them and, and – be down again to 13 for a little bit longer. I don't know if that's necessarily what they're going to do. But. I, from what I gather, from what I've heard, you can only have two times during the course of the season where you have only 13 for two weeks. But over the course of that month, essentially, uh, combined, it will save them like $1.1 million, something like that in tax. Which, by, you know, it is a team that – the funniest thing about them over the last several seasons, really the last handful, they spend you know record – amount but man they do penny pinch they penny pinch a lot while spending a crazy amount like the, the small little maneuvers they do just to trim a little tax while also just paying insane tax yeah i'm not really sure that you can point to any instances where that's actually hurt them though right no exactly i mean you know uh you're right you're correct i don't know you could say the way they built the roster last year you know having like ryan rollins on you know like buying him on draft night to, to have the second round yeah, thing instead of getting an extra veteran that's, that hurts them then. I think there are ways where it's hurt them. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, like Ryan Rollins, and then they had to get off of Ryan Rollins, too. You know, a lot of guys at the 44th pick end up on two ways, and they did bring him in, and that saved them. You know, I don't know how much it would have been, probably like three million bucks over the course of the year or something like that. We are getting granular. Wow, this is yeah. quite, quite an opening to the episode. Uh, Nate Duncan, number one Warriors preseason takeaway from you is? Oh, it's probably got to be Kaminga uh, yeah. at this point. And again, some of the stuff that he's done with his shot looks pretty good, right? I mean, he had that one corner three today where he wasn't really set. He kind of got his feet set. He's really, that's was new for him. He kind of shoots a set shot. He actually was on the move a little bit. He's shooting the ball with confidence, no hesitation. He's driving with confidence. He's getting a couple of those like quick little duck in post ups. They're actually running. ATOs for him to get those against smaller players. That's been pretty effective. He's been getting to the foul line, rebounding a little better. He had some good moments there, a couple bad ones today. Focused on it, which matters, and, and yep. listening to coaching about it. You know, um, he was very proud of his shot. To, I just talked to him in the locker room for, for a few minutes. He was very proud of that high arcing floater over Victor Wembanyama. I mean, it, it, that, I mean, I'm just joking, kind of like he was laughing about it and, and talking about playing. Wembayama, which was an inexperience. Even he was like, I didn't know he was that big. Um, But also at the same time, like, that shows his touch. I think he's got much better touch than the reputation suggests. And that's an example. Like, that's a really, really difficult shot. No, it it is. And, uh, I mean, he fared better than Andrew Wiggins in a similar circumstance. He he was laughing about that play as well. (laughs) So so that would be number one, I think. Number two to me would be... Man, CP, Steph, and Clay together defensively. It's just tough. Like, Steph is starting off with the matchup on Devin Vassell. There's going to be tougher matchups than that, starting, in fact, uh, on Tuesday night against Phoenix. Like, Steph Curry, you know, Chris Paul, like, like Chris will fight in the post and stuff. He's not as bad as Jordan Poole, but still, they are just, that's three minus defenders. On the perimeter, like when Steph is your worst defender, you can get away with that when it's just you have like Steph's, but that's at least like, okay, Steph's guarding somebody who's not that much of a threat. That guy has to set a screen. Now we can be in a coverage. If it's just like, no, Steph Curry is just guarding a guy that's like pretty good, like Vassell, like that's, that's not good. Like yeah, that, I mean, it was like, good. it was Austin Reeves in, in the Lakers games. Um, I could see, I mean, you mentioned the, the opener, um, uh, that is a night that it would probably make sense to start a Kaminga, potentially. And, you know, Draymond is an option if he is cleared by then. He played three-on-three today, probably five-on-five this weekend. Maybe he gets cleared by then. I'm sure he's going to be pushing for it. But we're talking minutes restriction. We're talking rusty, you know, out-of-condition Draymond. It would probably make sense to bring Chris Paul off the bench against Phoenix and play Kaminga and, and you know, line up your rotation a little better, better that way, your defense a little bit better. But also, at the same time, Chris Paul probably be in the closing lineup. Clay Thompson probably be in the closing lineup. Steph Curry probably be in the closing lineup. Not just on Tuesday, but most nights. So it's a problem that, like, what do you think is the fix? Well, the other thing, too, is you're not getting enough out of that group offensively, particularly when Looney is also starting at center because Paul and Looney is a really bad fit. I mean, you see how Paul's game really gets unlocked playing with Charge. Not that Charge is like a dominating role man, but. He gets the ball on the move. He'll pump fake. He can step through. He can make the next pass. Looney, like, pop. yeah, yeah, that's right. He could pick and pop for a three as well. Uh, Chris, of course, has the chemistry with him from Phoenix, whereas when Chris and Looney run a pick and roll, they just double-team Chris and Looney can't do anything. So, uh, and Or Looney will get it, and then he's kind of slow 
glacial getting it to the other side of the floor like that's so i i don't love that fit there i mean i definitely think chris coming off the bench and you know running pick and roll as charge is a really good look i think chris has looked pretty good physically to me uh compared to where he was in phoenix last year but and i think chris and steph is a pretty good fit also like i'm enjoying seeing someone else being able to run a pick and roll and steph curry you know being like you know the second screener as they're running like a you know a double drag up top. You know, did that, that twice the other night with Sarge as you know the other screener with Steph, and it both times led to really good shots. So I agree with you. There's some action that that works there. I do think Chris and Steph offensively work really well together. But yeah, the defensive problems, and then yeah, if you're gonna have Looney and Draymond and Chris Paul on the floor at the same time, that might be tough. Yeah, although it seems unlikely they would necessarily go that route like if if Draymond and Looney are going to start then Chris probably is not starting yeah. uh but and even even I think Chris and Clay is, is not a bad fit either you know they actually ran a Spain pick and roll with Chris Paul and Clay Thompson like the first Spain pick and roll with the two best shooters ever they've ever run that I can remember uh you know so that, but that's obviously like that personnel would, would be really good uh, to run that with also but you know you probably need, you need a, a solid role man uh, you know, even if like uh, TJD was going to get some minutes there, like that might be something that they could they could go to. But uh, does yeah. this does this conversation more and more make you just believe that like Kaminga is the key to their season? Like Kaminga being the type of score we saw in the preseason, not that he's going to be 25, 28 every night, uh, but being he can dunker spot alley oops, he can pick if he needs to he can he is making the three even if it's not going to space the defense quite yet I do think defense is more and more going to have to pay attention he shot 37 percent last year he shot it well in the preseason but I guess my my point is like is he to you a guy that unlocks the correct type of lineups or not well I think I'll get to him in a second but no I mean the number one key is Steph Curry Clay Thompson Draymond Green and like, if those guys are at the level that we've been accustomed to them being at, and you know, Clay Thompson certainly was not, I would say, in the playoffs last year. Like, if those guys are that good, then these guys are going to be a contender. If they're not, then they're not. It doesn't matter what Jonathan Kaminga does. Now, you know, there are obviously varying degrees of Steph and and Draymond and Clay, and you know, Kaminga maybe becomes more important the less good those guys are or the less good Chris Paul is or the less good Andrew Wiggins is as well, who we haven't really seen, you know, like Wiggins, it was good having him back, but he, he hasn't really been a defensive factor. You know, I thought he really slipped defensively a lot last year compared to two years ago. And like, he's got to get back to being, you know, really a, a high level defensive player for this team. Also, particularly given how limited they may be uh, at some of the perimeter spots at times. Yeah, and, you know, I think a lot of that is uh, his conditioning level and his uh, just kind of like the rhythm and form he's in. And obviously last year it was completely thrown off by the groin injury followed by the long, long absence. Wasn't there for the playoffs. This summer he did not play for Team Canada. Uh, So he came to camp, you know, kind of working his way back into uh, rhythm and, you can't sit there and go like, why are you not just fired up for, you know, these preseason games? But tonight was another night. You know, you see him miss some box outs. You see him kind of float out. And, uh, or he, I mean, you were commenting how he wasn't attacking Doug McDermott when Doug McDermott was his matchup. That's another example of, of just the lack of aggression that was there that, you know, maybe it gets flipped on 
come Tuesday, but it also to me seems like Wiggins needs a longer runway to get. No, I'm not even talking, you know, two years ago playoffs, Andrew Wiggins, but even like, hey, Andrew Wiggins is having a nice regular season stretch. It seems like he's going to take a little time. Yeah, maybe so. And particularly defensively, that's where it really, like, we have not seen a ton of Andrew Wiggins looking great defensively. Like, there, there are moments that he had last year, like I thought in that game uh, against the Thunder, I think it was in January, might have been December, like he was actually fantastic on his uh, fellow Canadian, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, really had some nice moments against him. So, like, we've seen it in flashes since the championship, but they'll need him to be consistent. And But perhaps the idea that Kaminga can shoot it well enough to play a little bit of three, especially if he's with Steph and Clay, like that's maybe something they could consider. But uh, yeah, certainly if you could have a, if Kaminga were good enough that you could close with Steph, Clay, Kaminga, and Wiggins and Draymond, that's like actually enough defense and size and athleticism to play that kind of small ball way that they want to play. You put Chris Paul in there, for even if you put in like a GP two, you're still you're still very undersized against some of the teams they have to go against. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Why don't we talk about the rookies? I mean, again, we were we discussed it earlier how they're the you know twelfth, thirteenth men. I, come Tuesday night, we won't be talking about them because I don't think either are going to play Tuesday in the rotation. But had to like what you saw from both, especially considering summer league. You barely saw Trace Jackson Davis. He plays, I think, two games. He ended up playing. He looked pretty good in those two games. But uh, Pajemski did not have a very good summer league, and I think there was. Uh, some skepticism on what he could even be in year one. And not that he's, you know, proven he's going to be some huge factor, but looks pretty good. And he is a guy that you, I will say, have, like, really since the beginning. Like, I don't know, when, like, when did you start looking at Pajemski? Because you didn't do some deep scouting on him, right? 
No, not until I first saw him in Summer League. But, I mean, pretty much instantly I saw what it was that they liked about him because he just knows how to play. He keeps the ball moving. I think I said at the time that he leaves the possession in a better place than he found it. You know, he'll he'll drive. He makes a good decision on the drive. He's under control. I think that's something that's really rare for a rookie. I mean, that play he had today where he drove in, got to the charge circle, pump fake, got three guys in the air and shoveled it. I think it was the TJD for an easy layup. Like, that's the sort of play you don't see from a guy who, you know, he's only had two years in, I believe in college. You, I believe you, like, cackled on Presho and you were just like, spectacular play by Pajemski. Uh By the way, and I... Not to say this is exactly why they drafted both of these guys, but I can remember from the beginning after they drafted both these guys, they're like they fit together well, uh, both lefties, but also like pick and roll combo. They're uh, they're doing Santa Cruz Media Day tomorrow, and both are going to be down there because I think there is an expectation they're going to get time together in Santa Cruz. And um, not that this is again like I don't think this was the purpose of drafting both together, but I know one of the issues they've had the last few years is like some of their draft picks have not fit together well right if you put Kaminga and Wiseman in a lineup together it was just really awkward whereas I do think they like hey you can throw Pajemski and, and Trace Jackson Davis together in Santa Cruz together in scout teams together tonight in, in garbage time of a preseason game and it's like man that is kind of a nice little like tertiary pick and roll combo yeah they, they do make sense together and they both know how to play I think well the other thing I would say about Pajemski too is way better than advertised defensively you would have to say, I mean, yeah, he doesn't have great length. He doesn't have the quickest feet. His effort level is very high. Uh, he's in the right place. You know, he even can, like, dig down and be effective there. He'll try to take charges. And also, like, he's not meat, right? I think if you compare him to someone like Jordan Poole, who in theory is, like, more physically talented, the problem with Poole is, you know, he would just get out of position and foul, or he just wouldn't fight. Like, Pajemsi fights. Like, he is... He'll at least, like, even if he's getting backed down by a bigger guy, like, he'll at least force that guy into, like, a turnaround over him or something. Like, he's not going to just get totally overpowered and foul or, or, like, get beaten so quickly that the help just can't even get there. Like, he'll, he'll play within the scheme. He'll play with effort. He plays with toughness. And, like, he, you can work with those sorts of limitations. You sound like the head coach uh, who has repeatedly mentioned that Brandon Pajemski in – uh, if you, you know, they track the summer scrimmages they have, but also they track all their camp scrimmages. He leads the team in deflections. He's mentioned that stat like, you know, four times. But uh, he has been higher on Pajemski's defense. And I'd say I, like, have been lower on his shot. And that was the thing coming out. It was like, okay, it looks like, you know, an open three, a deep three. Like, you know, his shooting numbers were good. You're like, he can hit some threes. He had, did not hit his shot in summer league, has not really hit it in preseason. Like, that's the part of his game that, to this point, Hasn't translated where the other stuff. The rebounding has. The defense, as you said, better than advertised. The passing, the field, the competitiveness. He's earned the, uh, I don't want to say trust of the veterans behind the scene, but respect early on. They like him. Um, I've seen him trailing around Steph Curry plenty, including I remember after the game at Staples Center. Like Steph's going for his, like, you know, they, they're going to have the next day off, so Steph's doing a really heavy lift postgame. Pajemski's going right with him and doing the same lift as Steph, like watching what Steph's doing and doing it. And I think that's the type of stuff the veterans see and like. And you can tell, like, that part of him they like, like I said. Yeah, no, and he's he's a good guy to play with. Like, he doesn't yeah. – if he does make mistakes, uh, you know, he's at least – he's got a high activity level, and you know, he'll move the ball. Like, he knows how to play, I think, 
pretty seamlessly within he's, his. He's not like a gunner either, where like I think maybe a little bit if you didn't follow him too much as Santa Clara, you're like, oh, they got this guy who just like scored a bunch of points and probably just jacked up a bunch of shots at Santa Clara. Like, no, he's he's kind of a a playmaking combo guard. I know some a few people have mentioned to me they think he's looked better in uh preseason because he had to play point, right? Corey Joseph missed most of preseason. They had to put him at point, whereas in summer league he played a lot of like off ball. Uh, and I think it's starting to they're starting to feel like he is more of a point than than a two. Yeah, I think that's fair, particularly again when you consider some of the playmaking that they have in the front court where that he might be playing with. But I mean, I think you know I realize Corey Joseph is coming back from the back issue. You know, maybe he wasn't at, at his best tonight, and he still adds a. An element of steadiness, perhaps. But I, at this point, I would say I would like to see Pajemski as the guy they go to for that kind of third point guard role rather than Corey Joseph. Now, you might be in a situation, but like, because Corey Joseph, his number one thing that he does is defend point guards, but they got GP2 to really like shut off the water on some guy who's getting hot on the perimeter. So, I, considering that, I think. I would like to see Pajemski in that role. We'll see whether that's the case or not. Yeah, I think Corey Joseph will enter the season ahead of Pajemski in the rotation pecking order, strictly because of just like tenure in the league. But at the same time, I think opening night, I don't think either might play. No, yeah, not. because the truth is like Chris Paul should be the backup point guard. Yeah, uh, and Moses Moody needs to get more minutes than both of the guys we're talking about, uh, which. Let me ask you about Moses Moody. I mean, you get a sly smirk. You were, I thought you were going to ask a question of Moses Moody in his post-game press conference tonight. No, I, I'm not that big of an asshole. But uh, no, I, what I thought to ask it was like, so Moses, like, what's it like when you just when the calendar says October, there's just this rule that you're never allowed to play, and like you just you just wait until it turns to April, and then you're then you're like you know the number six guy in the rotation or something yeah. like that. He's going for year three on this potentially because. I mean, we can count the rotation down, but if you include Draymond Green back in the mix, he's kind of profiling as like, what, the 10th man, maybe 11th man? Well, so let me ask you this. Uh, much as we joke about it, who would you be playing him over? Maybe Gary, but, you, but he, yeah, probably depends on the matchup. Um, I mean, yeah, look, because anyone thinking about it, if you're we're, – if we're putting Draymond in the rotation and staying starter, you're talking Chris Paul's six man, Dario Sarge and Kaminga are seven eight. However, you want to you know put that at so Peyton nine, Moody ten. Who am I forgetting about too? There's an eleventh. No, so then it's Corey Joseph yeah. eleven. Corey Joseph eleven, and then the two rookies. Yeah, so I mean he's firmly I would say ten at this point. Well, yeah, I mean I'm not sure he is ahead of of. He's certainly not ahead of Paul. Sarge Kaminga got to play. You know they're going to. And so it's, it's really him or Gary is the question. And, and I think your answer would be on most nights, Gary Payton, right? I think so. Like now, if Gary just, if he just doesn't have it, you know, if he's not that same game changing defensive force and, you know, if he can't be quite as good offensively with the, some of his energy plays and finishing around the rim or if he's, you know, hasn't made a three in a month, you know, maybe you revisit that. Maybe there's some days where, you know, you just need a little bit more shooting out there or just there isn't that perimeter threat. But, like, they – particularly if Wiggins isn't going to be, like, a real shutdown guy early on, like, they need what Gary brings. So, I, I think – and, like, they got to force turnovers. They got to get out and run. Like, they don't have that 
same element as when they were playing, you know, Otto Porter and Andre Guadala. Like they don't have those those guys who are able to make plays like that. So I, I think and Gary to me, like he was there's a, a time in the last couple of years where he was probably should have been in the closing lineup. So like I think he's he's still really important to what they're doing to me. Let me ask you this, and I asked Marcus and Tim this on our season preview podcast, which if anyone hasn't listened, came out a couple of days ago. Um, if you take your mind back to like the time of the Chris Paul trade, you know, maybe even through like some of their free agent moves when they got Sarge and everything, like when you know what the roster is going to be in June, July, are you higher, lower, or the same on them now after after kind of absorbing what they are? seeing some of the lineup combinations, watching some preseason games, seeing the rest of the West, like, do you feel better or worse about when we're really talking title chances right now? Cause that's what this season is about for them. Can they get this kind of last ditch fifth title, um, higher or lower? Well, I haven't seen Draymond at all. Yeah. So I, that's a, an information deficit there. And clay hasn't had the greatest preseason they're basically kind of just advertising him as like a three or four and he actually has held up pretty well i would say in some of those post-up type of matchups uh but you know he's not going to rebound he's not going to play any help defense uh so you know he's so, so i do think that i feel worse about the combination of paul curry and thompson i suspected it wouldn't be that great defensively that's kind of been the case and you know chris doesn't really have that much of a place to be with that group, we haven't seen the Paul and Draymond fit, which I, I think it's better than the Paul and Looney fit, but there are still some concerns there because both those guys kind of need to have the ball and, you know, maybe they can play pick and roll with each other and you just have this unbelievable shooting around it. You know, maybe that's something they could get to some, but I'm still a little bit skeptical there. Kamingo looks way better. I don't think really there's anyone else. I would say everyone else is either as good. I guess Wiggins not looking amazing is kind of so. I guess I feel and like Kaminga looking this good is a nice surprise. So I guess a little better. Sarge just looks like a really good yeah. fit. Yeah. Uh, you know he's he's bigger than I. You know having like obviously watched him and know you know seen him as like outside looking in. He is to me can hold up a little bit better even as a five man than I expected. So. But again, those are smaller things compared to the bigger things you're talking about. The the the, the small three guard fit, and how does Draymond look? How do you know? Can Wiggins back get back to form? So, uh, how about grand scheme of the league uh, as you kind of wrap your mind around what the West might be? I think it's going to be an amazing season, man. I I think there's really every team in the league right now. I'm very interested to see something about them. I mean, obviously there'll be injuries. There'll be teams playing out the string by the end. But I mean, who's who would you consider the least exciting team in the league right now? Probably Washington. That's probably the only one that I'm I, I am like. quite interested in the Jordan Poole experience. So, so they would not be uh, that low. Who would be like other candidates for that? Like, you know, who I like don't care to see like the Brooklyn Nets. Do you want to see much Brooklyn Nets basketball? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm really interested in it. In them, they got like a lot of length. The uh, Mikhail Bridges. Uh, interested to see. Whether he can build on, you know, playing at an all-star level, uh, you know, Ben Simmons, like, you know, that's good. That'll be interesting. You just can't wait to watch Ben Simmons. It'll be interesting in one way or another. Like Nick Claxton's a really good defensive player. Uh, Like I I think, like I have an intellectual curiosity about what that team is going to be. There's a lot of interesting. You don't have an intellectual curiosity about like what the Jordan Poole, Kyle Kuzma, like scoring combo. uh, might be We're, by the way this question wasn't who do you think might be the worst team it's like who are you you know are you going to flip on 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 week 1 and be like ooh that team's playing let me let me uh gander at that well all right sorry it's, uh, 
Who's thirtieth on that list for you? Are, is it the Wizards? Are they the, literally the team you were week one? This X team is playing, and you're the least interested in the Washington Wizards. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. Any West team? Utah? No. How are you not interested in Utah? What you just like want to see Walker Kessler like you know have a great pick and roll defense and like block somebody at the rim? Wait, 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 wait. Well, I mean, they're the, like one of the biggest surprise teams in the league last year, and I'm interested to see like how much they're going to be trying. Like, I think Markinen is like is, he's a you know one of the only players in NBA history to have over 100 threes and dunks in the same season. Uh, and I think that like Keontae George, I'm interested to see him as well. Will Hardy's a really good coach. Like, can Kessler be one of these guys that's like a top ten defense on his own? But anyway, all right, I know you as a beat writer, I hate it when you hate it when someone doesn't precisely answer your question so i i will get to it uh chicago bulls that's actually a really good one to be totally uninterested in <laughs> yeah. thank you i i, I uh, you can always help yeah who is who is this year's i know you have to come up with your like orlando magic yeah yeah you're like a tuesday in orlando whoever that's gonna be this year tuesday in chicago now the wizards warriors games are gonna be interesting <laughs> Especially yeah. the one here. Um, okay. Uh, anything else? Well, well, I will tell you this right now, Slater. I am apologizing to you in person for failing to adequately answer your question about the West. Uh, will you? Do you need to wrap up, or can I? Should I answer it now? You can answer. You can answer it. Okay, because I would never not apologize in person for when I did something wrong. Uh, yeah, I think that's a big question to me too. Is like. Did the West just suck last year, right? Like the Nuggets had this dominating run, but they never beat a team that had 50 wins at any point in the playoffs. And so, like, we know they're going to be good. Like, Phoenix didn't have any continuity. They added Bradley Beal. Like, I think that Phoenix team could be really, really good. Like, am I going to be right about that? Like, this, I think this team, Warriors, could be really good. Lakers, they finally have a real team again around LeBron and AD. And, you know, then there's kind of the morass, like who's going to implode below them? Who's going to look good as well? Like, I, I mean, there's a lot of talent still in the West, but there are some flaws with these teams. And, you know, who's going to stay healthy? Our team's going to just take things more seriously in the regular season now with like the, the new rules and the in-season tournament. Also, like that's the only thing I'm really interested to see is the in-season tournament this year. I agree. I heard that like uh, they're going to have – like formatted courts, like NCAA March Madness style courts for like the the nights of those games across the league. I don't know why that was like the first thing about it I'm interested in, but uh, I agree that'll be fun. Uh, the West I think is a a glut of average to slightly above average teams. So Warriors among them. I don't know anything else. Warriors preseason before I get us out of here. No, I think that's it. Really, I, I think. I'm- relatively optimistic uh, about this season but yeah again it just comes down to those three guys you know they today the old lions have one more run in them or not yeah their op- the opening portion of their schedule is slightly difficult seven and nine on the road makes it very difficult but it's you know sun's opening night then at sacramento and sacramento's home opener you know that's gonna be a good road arena houston new orleans back to back both on the road quickly back home for another king's game before a four-game trip at Oklahoma City, at Cleveland, at Detroit, at Denver. Um, that's a challenging little stretch to open the season. So uh, we will see. And Nate Duncan, I'm sure we will talk to you at some point. 
uh, in early portion of the season. You want to plug anything? Uh, I think people know who I am at this point. So humble, too. Nate Duncan Podcast. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.